Should I interest you in a stamp? Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you gotta buy. From a counterfeiter's basement in Stampshire, England, this is the award-winning stamp show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. This is episode number 342, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of flattily. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Jim. This is Becca. And Mark gave me an article today, Shake Up in Store for British Definitives and Christmas Stamps. Uh, It appears as though the British Post Office is in January 31st, 2023, going to demonetize its prior stamps due to, and let me get this exact, I want to read the wording exactly. Starting on January 31st, 2023, anyone who has an older Great Britain definitive stamp or Christmas stamp without a barcode will not be able to use it as valid postage on mail. So they are demonetizing their definitives and Christmas stamps. And uh, they have pictures of them. Uh, Instead of using forever, they have first and second, which is the... Uh, types of mail they have, first class and second class mail. Or, excuse me, it's fir- first class and then second is also multiple ounces, I believe. Anyway, somebody from Britain can uh, double check me on it. But uh, demonetizing their prior issues, that is going to be... Well, the illustrations show a barcode to the right of the queen. Right, so all, all the new stamps are going to have a, a barcode, barcode on them. And that is supposed to deter counterfeiters. And then, which, and then they took our suggestion that we made on this podcast. Oh, I'm sure they listened. And it goes right to the queen. And the queen dropped, it. Yeah, the queen dropped me an email the other day uh, mm-hmm. complimenting us. Yes. So far, the queen of England and the queen of Norway and the queen of Belgium have all... Uh, they're all big listeners. Shout yeah. out shout out to <laughs> all the queens out there. So yeah, it shows a barco. It's going to be interesting though. So it's the stamp's going to go through the sorter and it's going to read the barcode. Right. So uh, my assumption is is that if the barcode is not kosher, it will kick out the the envelope or or the mailing piece for return, I suppose. Which is something we discussed uh, in that um, if 
a counterfeit stamp goes through the postal service and they detect it, they should return it to the sender. And here's what I think looking at the picture. Okay. So the picture isn't really clear, but it seems that the stamp is superfluous. It's the barcode now that is the actual postage stamp. Right. You have a stamp next to it so that you can see that, oh, yeah, this is a first-class postage stamp. But the barcode next to it, and it's actually not a barcode. It's a, what do you call these things? Um, it, it's all the little dots. It's it's the triangle of dots. Uh, I forget what they it's called. They called it a barcode in the... Article. Yeah, they call it a barcode, but it's not a barcode. There, there are no bars. Right. I, and I assume they're using that. It's like because a QR code? QR. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's more like a QR code. Yeah. Except, again, it's not a square with, right. a, with a corner. You know, QR codes have a corner and a square. These are rectangles, but mm-hmm. they're more like QR codes than barcodes. More right. difficult to forge, I suspect. Well, but they look pretty easy to forge to me. It's just that what's going to happen is that you're going to have a bunch of pieces of mail with the exact same QR code. Yeah, exactly. So it reads through and it goes, oh, this stamp already went through. Unless the counterfeiters just, you know, if, they, if they're sophisticated enough to create the stamp, aren't they sophisticated enough to create individual QR codes? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, the whole thing is you don't create an individual QR code. You have to consecutively keep changing it right so that's obviously going to take a higher level of printer technology but i'm not certain that that printer technology is impossible for a counterfeiter to get you know we'll see what happens but here's the thing they're doing this in in january 1st of next year and they're going to allow people to trade in their old stamps yes for the new genuine stamps. If I'm a counterfeiter, I'm just going to keep cranking out reams of counterfeit postage so that the first day that we can start swapping them out, I'm going to the post office, swapping my counterfeit postage for real postage, and I'm still going to sell it at a discount on eBay. Yeah, but I have a sneaky feeling that the people who are going to uh, be cashing in and swapping out these new stamps... They're going to have like a UV light, and they're going to put the stamp under it and say, "Oh, you got fakes. Have a nice day." I don't know. Maybe. I mean, you're talking about training all those clerks in all those post offices across the country. Yeah, to put to put a piece of paper underneath a light and see if it glows. Hmm. Uh, you could. I'm guessing that you could train a monkey to do it, but the <laughs> the customer service would go down. Right. Are you sure? <laughs> and then, but the the real question, of course, is how is this going to affect stamp collecting of British definitives? It's not going to affect their commemoratives, so the commemoratives will still will still um, be valid for postage. But all those definitives out there in collections will be essentially worth zero. Well, more than that, when you demonetize, even if you selectively demonetize, the hobby in general says. It's done. And you're going to see everybody using up all the old ones because, yes, the commemoratives are not, but how long until they are? I mean, because if the commemorative stamps are not demonetized and you could still use them for postage, 
then guess what the Chinese printers are going to be printing? They're going to be cranking out commemoratives. And I apologize for uh, pigeonholing all the counterfeiters as Chinese. Like I said, the only reason we do it is because they are. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you're going to have counterfeiters, counterfeiting commemoratives, and we already see that here in the United States. Oh, yeah. They counterfeited the Hot Wheels stamps. Yep. They're counterfeiting priority and express mail stamps. Yeah. So it's... uh, that's that's going to be a tough one. Yeah, this will be an interesting exper- experiment. I'm sure that the USPS will be keeping a sharp eye on what happens to Great Britain. And I, I think the Postal Service would be very concerned about uh, what it does to the hobby as well because the Postal Service uh, gets a lot of money from collectors by printing out stamps that never get used. I could very, if this works... I could very easily see the U.S. stamp market having all stamps with barcodes. And after a couple years, you know, and not very very many, two or three, four years, the public is going to know that your stamp has to have a barcode on it. So all the counterfeit Z-fold flags are going to move their way through, you know, whatever. But it's going to have an endpoint. Right. And at some point, they can say, you know, if you if your sta- if your envelope doesn't have a barcode, please add one to three weeks for the delivery. And all of a sudden, everybody will go, "Oh, I better put a stamp with a barcode on it." Right. Well, uh, private vending or private uh, uh, printers already have barcodes on their stamps. Yeah, and again, we're calling them barcodes. They're actually Q- modified QR codes. Right. But yeah, uh, so realistically, I don't have the actual dimensions of the QR code, but it looks like it's your standard 20 by 8. So that means you have a 1 with uh, 160,000 zeros after it. That's how many stamps you can put out before you have to go to zero again. Hmm. So uh, that'll be interesting. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. And uh, see, my my, I have two things. First of all, um, as people have listened to the, I don't know, you guys haven't listened to the podcast on inflation because you don't listen to the podcast because you're here, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Most of the time, yeah. Yeah. So in the uh, the second to the last one that I did alone. I brought up four stamps, Uh, the um, number 38 souvenir sheet of the United Nations, uh, the $1 airlift plate block, the one and a half cent Gallatin, and the two cent Cape Hatteras stamps. And those were my examples of four stamps that we need to look at what is going to replace them in the coming inflation period, because all the great investments are going to be gone. U.S. number ones, they're all going to be hoovered out of the market. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. Dollar Colombians. Dollar Colombians. Mm-hmm. All this stuff's going to disappear from the market. People are going to want to invest, and they're going to go, well, what's there to invest in? And I, it is my opinion that the $1 airlift, which, by the way, you know, it's not discount postage anymore, surprisingly. But for a long time, it was discount postage. 
Today, you can buy one for like $4.50, so it has a slight premium over face. But during the inflation period, they were selling for $20 to $25 each. I mean, it was almost like cash. I think that the priority and the express mail stamps are going to be like that. Hmm. But if there's counterfeits out there, see, the $1 plate uh, airlift plate block never had counterfeits to affect its value. Though priority and express mail stamps today do, and I'm really curious, you know, are these going to need certificates of authenticity so that people know that they're buying real ones? And so I'm sort of looking at it and, you know, I, I have an obvious advantage. I don't pay full price for my certificates have being working here. Um, but I'm going to, if, if I buy them and I probably will, I think I'm going to pay the couple bucks and get them certified. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's odd to me that the, that the Great Britain went with the barcodes as their security, um, uh, security device or security method as opposed to and going to engraved or going to uh you know other types of uh, other types of you know secure security features that we see on uh currency yeah well yes but again the barcodes or the qr codes um i think it's an answer that doesn't require them to do more expensive printing i think it's a cheaper way out right and I think it's also one that'll work. So again, you know, you have the QR code, you have the stamp. The stamp doesn't matter anymore. It's the number on the QR code that matters. Now, the problem is, is that the post office, you know, has some sort of an algorithm, obviously, that they're going to assign the numbers. If some printer can print a changing QR code, which I'm sure they can. I mean, the technology has to be out there somewhere. I think it's going to be difficult, but it's not going to be impossible. And, you know, is this a short-term fix or a long-term fix? We will have to see. Yep, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's definitely a great beginning, if nothing else. Yeah, well, again, it'll be interesting on January 31st, 2023, what happens to the discount postage market in Great Britain. And the collecting market. Yeah. Yeah. For well, definitives. Well, the two kind of follow hand in hand. Right. What killed the United Nations? United Nations is, you know, was the greatest thing Everybody collected it. It had worldwide appeal. And it had it right up till they they didn't demonetize their stamps, but they put such restrictions on using them that they effectively demonetized them. And at that point, UN, as an interest in the topic, dropped significantly, dropped really big. Yeah. And you can see what happened in Israel when they revalued the shekel. So, and for those of you who don't know, uh, every single stamp printed, like, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong on the dates, but I believe they did it in 1972. And 
from 1972 to about 1987, every single stamp has the minimum catalog value. I mean, they, they do not trade effectively at all. There, there, there is no high value of any. And correct me, you know, somebody's going to write in and go, well, what about this souvenir sheet? And I go, I know the souvenir sheet's okay, fine. But the regular stamps. Mm-hmm. Arapex came. Right. Okay. So, Arapex, um, Becca, you weren't there. No. Oh, you, did, you didn't make that one. You you were in uh, the Caribbean someplace. Yes. Where were you at? I went to Bahamas, Jamaica, and Cozumel, Mexico. We had a much better time. Oh, but you don't <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. We went to, we went to Arapex. Oh, yeah, Mesa, Arizona. We froze Ooh. to death in the convention center. Yeah, it wasn't as cold as... Uh, some conventions, <laughs> which which will remain nameless. <laughs> yeah, the, the weather outside was wonderful, but the air conditioning was on. It was yeah. really cold. And yep, yep. So, uh, Mark, would you buy? I uh, I was uh, uh, really uh, excited about Airpex. Um, I expected to spend maybe two or three thousand dollars. I spent five, um, and uh, and I bought some great stamps. And it was uh, I was busy from the the beginning of the show to the very end. Um, it was uh, it was a great show. Get any good revenues? Uh, I got some great revenues. I got uh, I got stuff that I that uh, you know that improved uh, stamps that I already had. Um, yeah, it was it was fun. I uh, I was able to find uh, we had a um, a. a, a um, a meeting about the 569 30 cent buffalo that has the uh, double transfer love that stamp and uh, and there was one there at Arapex uh, sold by a dealer who i guess didn't expect that um, he'd get a lot of customers for it so he offered it at a at a discount uh, from uh, from catalog value. Oh, how um, much did you pay for it? So I paid. Um, I think he had it priced at about two hundred and thirty oh. something, two hundred thirty nine dollars. He still gave me a discount on that. But the nice thing about this stamp, it was one of the uh, stamps that were printed on special booklet paper. Oh, so that <laughs> yeah, increases the value of the, of the stamp. Uh, of course, you know you'd have to find the right buyer for it. But uh, but yeah, so that was a, that was a really cool find. I remember you showing it to me. Yep. It was. I didn't realize you paid so little for it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a beautiful stamp. Yeah, so uh, very interesting because that uh, it has a very it has a very distinct and large double transfer. Why don't you tell them what the double transfer is? Because it's obvious. Yeah, it's it's on the uh, it's on the uh, right side, uh, uh, numeral thirty. There's also um, a line that's uh, that's underneath the the numeral, so it it really stands out. You can see it with the naked eye. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You don't no, need a glass. No loop needed. Yeah. No, I love that stamp. I've always been looking for one. I, w- I was very jealous when I saw it. <laughs> and now I'm even more jealous because I've seen them sell for $500 all day long. And if you paid less than 239 for it, uh, that was a good deal. Yep. <laughs> and then on booklet paper, who, who the heck knows what that what? price is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Special booklet paper. Yeah, I just uh, I found eleven cent ha- uh, haze, right? The eleven cent haze. I found three of them, a block of three. I guess it's not a block, an irregular block of three, 
and it was on booklet paper. Hmm. So uh, we'll see what those catalog. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it may be a curiosity and nothing more, and it may be something really cool. Yeah, time will tell. Yep. What'd you get, Jim? Well, I spent most of my time with the cover dealers. Um, going through covers, uh, I found uh, the probably the two most interesting things I found was a um, AEF two-cent booklet uh, single on a cover. Great. You it, tell people how to identify this. This is a cool item. This is – we actually – to, to go back a little bit, we'd been talking about this stamp and how to identify it as a single, and we had um, a dealer bring a full pane of the one cent and the two cent full pane to the table for a pre-estimate on uh, validity. And we looked at that. I did. I measured it. Scott measured it. And we determined it not to be a fake from the uh, imperf stamps. So it was a very interesting um, show for the for that stamp. And I, prior to that, I had found this one, and it was identified in the dealer stock as a booklet. Oh, okay. Stamp. So it wasn't like uh, it was a fine find, ah. but it wasn't expensive either. It oh. was like a twenty dollars cover. Huh? Ooh. And that's that's a real bargain. Yeah, that's that. that's a that's a steal. You, yeah, you, that's a great. And um, okay, so there's there's a couple of ways to identify the AEF booklet singles. One, of course, they're they're perf eleven, and they have straight ed- if they have a straight edge, it has to be in a certain position. So if it's straight edge on the top, or um, on the right. Then you have, uh, uh, or the bottom, you have wide margins. And then on the left, you have a narrower margin, but it usually shows a guideline. Then what you, what you do is you measure the stamp and divide it, the height into the width, and you come up with a number to identify it as a not a sheet stamp, but as a uh, booklet pane stamp. Right. But th- that's just the first step. So you have to have a ratio um, of 1.15, under 1.15 to for it to be a booklet pane stamp. Then you have to ascertain whether it comes from a possible position. Right. So... There's a two-step process, and some of them are more difficult than others to do. But the measurement on the stamps that we did for, on those booklet panes, um, they were not booklet size. They did not measure in the 1.15 or below range. So it was a pretty easy call. The, there were other tells in the perforations and even in the cuts. Well, one of the one of the things that people should look at if you see a two cent, a one cent, or a two cent Washington or head um, on any AEF mail coming out of France, postcards. Um, we found that one of the places where you find a lot of them is they had these cigarette gift cards, and what it was is you sent 
uh, this card to a soldier, and they exchange that card for a pack of cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Those cigarette cards, I'm going to say 25% of the time, had AEF stamps on them. So if you see the cigarette card, you got to check it. Um, anything coming out of France, though, what my basic thing is, is I look for big straight edges. Yes. That don't show a gr- uh, guideline. Yes. If you see a big straight edge stamp, and again, a large percentage of the stamps have straight edges from these booklets. Right. If you see a large margin and there's no guideline, you might have something good. And the, okay. and the guideline, but the guidelines do exist at the bottom and at the at the left side. Uh, However, you at the bottom. Well, I thought it was. I thought there was a line going up through the middle of there the is. pane, and that's it. Maybe yeah. I think you're right. I think it is just the yeah. It's just the left side, and and it's usually a narrow margin, if it if the guideline shows. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, if the guideline doesn't show, doesn't eliminate it. No. Because it could have been trimmed off. Right. But yeah. And then the, the other thing about those booklets, because they were so large, they actually, um, the middle stamps were perforated all around. Yeah. They have no straight edges. Yeah. However, if you measure them and they measure less than 1.15, you know, now we're talking about the design of the stamp, not the stamp with the perforations. You, you measure the actual design of the stamp from the frame to frame, now, height is, and width. What is the uh, what is the ratio on the imperforate stamps that it might be faked from? No, uh, it's, generally the speaking, they're not so much faked from the imperforated stamps. They're faked from the sheet stamps. They yeah. cut the sheets a certain way oh, okay. to make it look like a booklet. Yeah, and, and um, these that we saw, I think, um, were probably... From the imperforate stamps, only because the perforations w- looked bad too. Oh, okay. Yeah. But See, they, what I was getting at is, yeah. is if you have a uh, fully perforated stamp, a one cent or a two cent on AEF mail from France, you still need to look at it because if you can, if you can ratio it as booklet paper, mm-hmm. it has to be the AEF. Because the regular booklets were sixes, and they had no fully perforated stamps. Yeah. So even though ones that don't look like they might be. I had one. Um, unfortunately, it didn't pan out. It was not a booklet ratio. But I had one like that where it was in the middle, and I thought I maybe had found another one Well, I, from the middle row. I, I was jealous of Scott because both of us found a bunch of cigarette um, cigarette Cards. coupons from two different sources and he found like five of them and two of them were booklet stamps yeah and i found like 10 of them from this other guy and zero of them were <laughs> booklet stamps. so you know such is life yeah so they're out there yep. and it it coincided with the you know the what's the catalog value on a two cent Booklet AEF thirty forty thousand. You will like the whole booklet, yeah, yeah. And this, so, and I the see, pain is probably twenty five or thirty, right? I see 
the booklet in the booklet individual stamps are not listed in Scott's. Right. Because they're they're too hard to identify. Right. And you know, my whole thing is, you know, I want to make stamp collecting easier and not more difficult. But the market values these at between a hundred and two hundred dollars each, depending on what it's on more than anything else. So uh, if you get a single, like a, just a regular stamp, first of all, wow, congratulations, because I can imagine how many millions of stamps you had to check to find that <laughs> stamp. Um, but if you find an individual, I don't, I don't see how you know a person would. But if it's on a AEF cover or something like that, uh, that's the low end. The cigarette cards, like I said, are at the higher end. And a really nice postcard from the front with an AEF cancel and everything, that's at the highest. Uh, so between $100 and $200 for an item which catalogs $0.35. Cents. Something like that, yeah. And you can't get $0.35 cents for it because it's too cheap. So we had that, and then um, there was another interesting – I had another interesting find. I bought a bank tag with um, eight or nine uh, copies of the um, one cent or the one dollar prexy in the magenta, <laughs> they were all magenta. One was a plate single. Oh, and and um, hold on, hi. Did you buy it as a magenta? No, oh. <laughs> I bought it as a tag oh. <laughs> for like ten dollars. So oh. That was that was my really good find, and um. And we'll just uh, let's discuss magentas after you're done here, for so people can look for these on their own too. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can talk about that. Go for it. Because that the okay. So the magenta um, the, in 1954, there was a second printing of the Prexies, which had originally been printed in 1939, and the ink was different. It was a um, instead of kind of a purple hue it had a reddish violet hue on the purple and it it's obvious i mean you can just look at the stamp and see that it's a different color well don't say that because <laughs> a lot of people i see a lot of people mixing it up there's there's three well, colors well th yeah and that's what i was getting to the printing itself is obvious but there are three shades of this and two of the shades are really striking Mm -hmm. because there's an intermediate color, and it's listed as... B. B? Yeah. Yeah. So it's eight, C. 832C. I C, think. Yeah. yeah. It's 832C. Yeah, B, B, B is, is the, the watermark. Watermark, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And then you get 832G, G. which is a very distinct magenta color. And uh, it's almost... you. We, in your uh, secret, philatelic secret book, book of secrets, fifteen dollars. Yep, and there's a very good representation of what is and isn't the magenta color. But once you see them together, you can kind of see them. And when I when I bought this card, my thought was it was a C, because I'm in the show and the light and everything. When I got it home and put it up against my reference copy, bingo. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it was quite exciting. 
So again, uh, just money-wise, you're talking about a $0.35 cent stamp turning into a $35 stamp, and you got eight of them. Eight of them, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, the I, I'm a cover guy, so this is not the kind of thing I would normally remove from something. Yeah. But, if, no. there's, but the, if there's a gradable one, then it becomes $135. So. Yeah. Or well, more. Well, the um, – and just for people, you know, first of all, Book of Secrets, uh, volume number three, $15 uh, on gradingmatters.com. You can buy it online or send to PayPal. It, it certainly was worth the $15 I spent yeah. because of this find, right? Oh, well, that, that's how – that's the reason I put it together hmm? is because – I wanted to show all the colors that had the big premiums. Mm -hmm. And I talk about, you know, I don't give every single color because if there's no premium, who cares? But if there is a premium, I put it down there. And I, there are the reddish violet and the magenta. And we saw an auction catalog and it had two plate blocks and two singles. And the two plate blocks, you look at them, and they're pink. The magenta stamp is like pink. Yeah. And they're pink. And then they had two singles, and they were not pink. And they were on the same page. And you go, these two stamps are not like these two stamps. There is a problem. And, of course, the problem was is they were misidentified yes. by an auction house. Yeah. And they didn't have certificates. So, you know, obviously... They sold. Somebody said, hey, these aren't him, and send them back. So that's life. So those were, those were a couple of my cover finds. My, my most interesting cover find, just to finish that, is um, I bought a Nevada uh, cover that was very interesting. It was postmarked from a military fort on the Overland Trail in Nevada called Camp McDermott in 1868 and it was sent to another military fort that didn't have a post office called Fort Scott and Camp Scott or Fort Scott but Camp Scott the post office was Scottville so it but it was addressed to the camp oh. now Scottville was the little town that was around the camp so it's a very interesting historical overland piece yeah yeah so those are some of the finds that I found in my uh, area of interest. Well, let's see. I bought a small hoard of white plain sheets, uh, 11 of them. And I bought, uh, oh, there was a dealer there that had a Philippine collection. And people who haven't had the Philipp really looked at Philippines, uh, go to the Scott Specialized and look at the print numbers of these. You know, there are stamps, and I've brought this up before, where, you know, 6,000 of them were printed. And, you know, this guy had a mint never hinged one. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's 6,000 of these. What is this catalog? Catalog, $250. Mm -hmm. And I, I paid 40% of cattle. I, I offered him a third of cat. He said, no, that's too low. I have to give at least 40%. So I paid him 40% of catalog for a stamp that literally is probably more rare than an inverted Jenny. I, I'd say it's definitely rarer than an inverted Jenny. Um, 
so that was it. And then the, he had many other stamps. And, you know, I just picked all the high values. Just went through and just pulled all the one peso and above values. And uh, that was a fine because these things are scarce as hen's teeth. I mean, they really are scarce. And then let's see what else. Uh, oh, my uh, son, Sean, got uh, the Youth Grand Award for his one frame exhibit, Railroad Perfins on Cover. So his first exhibit at Arapex, and he got, it was a large silver, but he got the youth grand and uh, went in front of the judges and the judges critiqued him and he went through the whole process. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I saw that exhibit and I was very proud of him. And then Mike Mayer, shout out to Mike if you know who he is. Uh, He's written many books and many articles. Uh, He also helped my son and critiqued him and gave him a bunch of notes. So next time he goes in, it'll be better. Well, congratulations to Sean. Yep. Yep. He's now one of those snooty elite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A 16-year-old snooty elite stamp collector. <laughs> okay, so shall we, shall we tell the story about Sean and the map? Go for it. Yeah, so I had these old uh, maps from the old books, you know, and they're all colorful and everything, and he liked the Japanese one. Because it was, he has a friend. He wanted to Kento give give his friend the map. So I'm, you know, I I would have given it to him, but I figure, you know, no collector is going to value something you give to them. Let them buy it so they value it. So I just said, Sean, what would you give me for this? And he looked at me, and he looked at it, and he. He says, I don't know. Put a price on it. No, no. I, I, I don't know what it is. What's it worth to you? And he finally, he says, $10. And I said, sold. It's yours. 10 bucks. And he reached it in pocket, looks over at his dad and says, Dad, can I borrow $3? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Cash says, wait a minute. If you only had $7 in your pocket, why didn't you offer him $7? He would have taken that too. <laughs> but I took... Cash is three dollars too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh, he spent he spent a fair amount of money for a sixteen year old. I think he busted two hundred bucks there. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So he sells stuff on eBay. He sells it under my account because he he's not eighteen, so he can't get a PayPal account. Right. But uh, he makes for a sixteen year old, he makes hundred hundred and fifty bucks a month selling stamps on eBay. Well, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, that's. I don't give him an allowance, so uh, that's, uh, I mean, if he gets 150 bucks for selling uh, stuff on eBay, there's no reason for me to give him an extra 10. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's great. He's, you know, it, it's interesting to see, and it's, it's heartwarming, actually, to see somebody at that age that excited about it yeah. and into exhibiting. I mean, he, he's going to. Find, and he loves what he's doing. Yeah. You can tell that. He knows all about that railroad oh, stuff. He is a history nut. Yes. And my favorite, so. his favorite joke is, um, he goes, I can name 76 famous people from the Holy Roman Empire. Yeah. And you go, okay, go for it. And he goes, Heinrich. Heinrich the second, Heinrich the third, <laughs> Heinrich the third, Heinrich down to seventy six, down yeah. to seventy six. Yeah. <laughs> so he has your sense of humor too, <laughs> or lack thereof. Yeah. No, that's lack of the common sense. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, next year we're, we'll go back again. I love going to Arapex because it's an easy drive. It and, was a uh, very good show. The hotel rooms were crazy expensive. Hopefully that gets fixed. I mean, I, I have no idea why coming out of COVID, where all of a sudden everything shoots up. Now, normally it's always high. I mean, this was higher than high. But it's always high because they have spring training. And so the spring training people take up a bunch of hotel rooms and that lowers demand. But there's no spring training. And our hotel room at a Motel 6 was 167 bucks a night. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Motel 6 used to be $6. Yes. <laughs> that's dollar rent a car used to be a dollar. dollar. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that, that's where they got their start. Yep. And then Motel 8 came along and outbid them. Yeah. <laughs> and the dollar store isn't a dollar store anymore. Oh. Uh, but they are drawing the line at a buck and a quarter. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But I, I think some of that probably had to do with the fact that it's also winter, and that's their big tourist time down there in Arizona, is that tourist yeah. trade from back east and the northwest where they were having Yeah, but all the it snow. had never been this expensive. I mean, inflation is inflation. Yeah. But from pre-COVID to post-COVID, it doubled. That hotel, I remember me and Lloyd going and staying in that Motel 6, and it was like 70 bucks or 80 bucks, mm -hmm. depending on what year. And now it's 167 and no room service also. They, oh. they, they didn't clean the room for three days. Yeah. Well, I guess the third day they cleaned it for the next person, but. Yep. I don't know. <sighs> we'll see what happens because Westpex is coming up and the show hotel there is two no 177 once really 177 177 it's only 10 bucks more than uh the motel six in mesa arizona well yeah but you haven't seen all the added taxes yet so we're not real sure okay so when it's 77 let's say let's make pretend it goes up 20 bucks more and it's 197 still no it's still it's Marriott versus Motel 6. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. But prior to Westpex, two weeks prior to Westpex, is the Las Vegas stamp show. Oh, yes. And you can stay in Las Vegas for damn near free. <laughs> yeah, you can, stay, you can stay for free if you win at the tables. Well, even, if, yeah, the uh, Las Vegas stamp show is uh, April 8th, 8th and 9th. 8th and 9th. Yeah, April 8th and 9th. Hope to see you here. And if you come, stay till Tuesday. Come to lunch with us. We had... Mark Easter and Leland Wolf uh, with with us at lunch today. That was nice. Uh, and if you don't know who they are, uh, Mark Easter is a dealer from New York, and Leland Wolf is a local dealer, but he doesn't get out very He doesn't come to lunch very often, so it was right. nice to see him. Uh, the Las Vegas Stamp Show, uh, 8th and 9th, Friday, Saturday. Always great. We are not on the Strip. This is a club show, so we're in a conference center. Uh, but the... Uh, hotels on Thursday night, they started like 40 bucks. Yeah. So it's really, really cheap to stay here. Okay. So I have a story to tell about that. Back in um, the seventies, I went to a stamp show in San Francisco or it was a show, a convention show. And um, the room was 50 bucks downtown San Francisco. Mark Hoppins or one of those, you know, 
50 bucks, mm. which is like nothing now, right? I mean, yeah. it was the, but it was early 70s. And I was outraged that I had to spend that much money <laughs> on a room when you could get a room in Vegas for less than $10 <laughs> yeah. at any of the major hotels. Yeah. That was, that's the difference in, I guess, inflation and the uh, Vegas trying to sell room, give rooms away to bring mm. players in, basically. Yeah, but realistically, today, you can sleep on the street of... San Francisco for free. Yeah. <laughs> they pay you. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. And discount, uh, mention Stamp Show here today, and I think you get a 20% discount on crack. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or at least or at least the needles. And, <laughs> and you don't have to worry about lines at the restroom. Yeah. We love you, San Francisco, but you suck. Just, <laughs> we must give a disclaimer to our friends in California. We go to, uh, I used to go to San Francisco all the time. As a matter of fact, a funny thing, you, uh, Becca just got back from a cruise. I went on a cruise to uh, Alaska. It went to the Mendenhall Glacier. This was in late winter. It was colder in San Francisco than it was at the Mendenhall Glacier <laughs> in Alaska. Yeah, in February or March. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was amazing. The coldest I've ever been is July in San Francisco. Oh, well, that's, isn't that a, uh, a famous uh, Mark Twain saying? Yeah. The coldest uh, winter I ever had was in July in, uh, in San, San Francisco. Francisco. Yeah. They, they, there's just something about the weather up there in July that Fourth of July is just cold. Yep. Yeah. So uh, let's see what happens with the U.S. Post Office with uh, QR codes. And uh, hope to see you at the Las Vegas Stamp Show. And when we go to Westpex, we'll have another report. And after Westpex, we'll have another one. That's it. We need your help. Nothing on the Internet is free, including our phone and Internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. (laughs) Because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this silkcom was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! (laughs) You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, 
you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.